Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. Many of us will judge restaurants well before we even try the food. There's the online reviews we check out. There's the curb appeal, of course, especially if you're in a, you're driving somewhere, you're in a town that is uh, not familiar to you. You uh, will look for somewhere to stop for lunch or dinner, and uh, right away it's got to have decent curb appeal or you'll just uh, move on. But there is supposedly steps you can take that are tried and true methods to accurately judge a new place. Okay. Top of the list, of course, the menu. It can't be too big, and it definitely can't be sticky. You don't want that. (laughs) Most believe they should have a physical menu, even if it's a sheet of paper, not just the QR code where you have to read it on your phone. Okay. Uh, Are you a fan of the QR code? Are you? uh... Um, I've been in all kinds now. Some that have tablets that you order yourself, basically, and punch in what you want. I don't yeah, you know, it, it, I guess it depends on the setting, and if I'm there for just a pint mm. and uh, and some grub, or if I'm there for a nice meal. Mm-hmm. The service they want people uh, who are servers to seem like they care. Do they have helpful recommendations? Do they note who ordered what? So there isn't that awkward auction of the food where everybody's putting up their hand at the table to say that's mine. Gotcha. I mean, I don't know if the service necessarily makes the meal for me, but bad service can really ruin an experience. We uh, And I don't do this often. The lovely Maria will do it, and I and I always think, well, why are you asking? But she'll say to the uh, the wait, the server, the waiter or waitress, uh, is it, do, you, do you like this? Is that good? Well, th- their food tastes are yeah. completely different <laughs> than yours, and what are they going to say? Yeah. No, that's the worst thing you've ever eaten. It's horrible. Yeah, yeah, steer clear of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that is, and we do it a lot. You know, what's popular here, mm. that kind of thing. Which I guess they can gauge what they sell a lot of, but that's, uh, that's a tough one to say, do you like this or not? I rarely order from the specials that day. Almost next to never. Really? Well, because I feel like it, they're just trying to, now they're just trying to hawk off old food. They got uh, stuff left over. It's it's almost best before date is arriving. Could be, but I mean, if it's a wing night, then wings it is. Yeah, it always seems whatever's on the uh, specials today is not something that's appealing to me. Yeah, that uh-huh. could be. I mean, I I agree with you on the menu size. Like, is one of the first things though is mm-hmm. that you know you walk in and if they're serving everything from every culture of food, right. then it's likely not coming out fresh. Yeah. And and one of the all-time uh, best tips when it comes to cultures, so you go to an Asian restaurant or an Italian or a Greek, if you walk into an Asian place and everybody eating there looks like me, leave. <laughs> <laughs> leave. Well, unless you were looking for chicken balls and red sauce. I guess so. That red sauce is good. Um, some people, here's a little trick. You go to a new restaurant. Maybe you've moved to a new town. You're trying to find a, a good restaurant. Somewhere you can go on the, on a regular basis. Well, order something simple at first. See if they can bail uh, nail the basics. Uh, but others intentionally order something hard to see if the place has a chef or just a cook or just a microwave mm, operator. Gotcha. One person says they always order the eggs over medium because it's basically impossible to do perfectly. They don't complain if it ends up too runny or too hard, but they can tell how skilled the cook is. Okay. But it is eggs. 
Well, it's but basic. Yeah. So I listen, even some eggs. Like if you want to poach an egg perfectly, it, there's a bit of a skill to that. Yeah. But when I'm in Wally's <laughs> at four in the morning, <laughs> if I'm trying to determine the skill of the chef, you're probably in the wrong spot. One of my saddest moments or one of my happiest moments was when I moved here and saw that place was 24-7. Right. But since COVID, they've stopped that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, I'm not adventurous. Surprise, surprise when it comes to trying new restaurants. Oh, I know. I've been the, I'm sure I've eaten in more places in this town than you ever have. Definitely so. Um, and, and it's because I, like the mom and pops, like when I'm traveling, you see something that you've never heard of that before. Sometimes it'll look too fancy. Mm. Like, oh, that looks like expensive. <laughs> so <laughs> that'll, that'll ruin, ruin my experience there. In shocking turn of events, you and I are exactly opposite. Marie and I both see it this way. This is one thing we do agree on. We'd much rather give our money to a mom and pop shop than a chain. Mm-hmm. So I'll always look for the mom and pop shops. Yeah. There's a little, um, there's a little Thai place near us that uh, was opened and then closed for renovations. And we have gone back a couple of times. Now, there's great Thai food restaurants all over the place, but I love this place because it's one, it seems like I don't, I don't hear anybody in the back. I, mean, I can't imagine it's just this one woman doing everything. But she's busy, and uh, and this place is always uh, doing well, and the food is great. So, mm. yeah, I think you know, it all depends. Like, I think in, your, in, in, in Oshawa, you should probably sample more mom-and-pop shops. Yep. Especially since they closed your Buffalo Wild Wings. You've got nowhere to go now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm the only one. You're done for restaurants. Uh-huh. Uh, the clientele, some say they like to look around and see if it looks like the place has regulars. That can be good and bad, it is said, because uh, if they only have regulars, they just might be locals or friends of the staff who have settled for what it is. <laughs> right. And then, of course, the cleanliness. Some people like to look at windowsills and chair rails to see how clean they are, checking to see if uh, plants are dusty and whether the bathrooms should also be cleaned and stocked. Some people go so far as to peek behind the counters and look in the trash area to see if that's well kept. Wow. And I can tell you this, that's not a real judgment on a restaurant because I've been in kitchens of high-end places, and they're a dump. <laughs> they, they, the, 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 Especially the dishwashing area and the garbage, right. it's absolutely gross. So I wouldn't really judge a restaurant on that. So there you go. Or just do this. Sit down and eat and realize you're in a good enough spot in life that you can afford to dine out. True. And someone's cooking and cleaning for you. And then go home happy. Many kids back to school as of yesterday. Others going today. If you've got uh, teenagers in the house, maybe just starting high school. It can be a tough time for them. Intimidating, of course. Going to maybe a new school, new people. And uh, and certainly, uh, when we're young, we can feel really awkward about a whole lot of stuff. When were you most self-conscious? A bunch of adults were asked that. The average age was about 17. Funny enough, two-thirds of adults say they still have moments when they feel just as awkward as they did back then. Turns out we worry about a lot of the same things. When we were young, we uh, worried about uh, our weight, our hair, our teeth. All these were the top things. I'm surprised acne didn't show up high on that list. Right, yeah. But then uh, we still worry about our height, our posture, our voice, our glasses, 
And then acne. Well, who the hell's getting acne? Although I do get the odd pimple now and again still. Mm-hmm. It's rare. I yeah. mean, I was a pizza face when I was a teenager. <laughs> but um, but with time, and it, it seems to me, too, and I, I don't know because I don't spend a lot of time around high schools ever since the police told me to stop. But, I, <laughs> but when I do see young people now, I don't notice them having nearly the acne. I remember everybody I knew as a teenager. Uh, well, when you see it around sports, you certainly you see a lot more of it, uh, certainly the sweat. But you're right, maybe the, the skin care has become a, a better thing. Yeah, or better products and 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 facial washes and their hair. They wear it, you know. When we were young, it was just down over our eyes, and you know, I think uh, a lot of boys certainly either have it cut shorter or it's pushed back, or especially with the hockey hair, so it's pushed off the forehead. And yeah, that's when you used to get because you get the oils from your hair mixing with the oils in your skin, and it would uh, get pretty gross up there on your forehead. Right. I remember concerned about my height going into grade nine because I was like four foot eleven. I was tiny. Mm. Um. But I was 240 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> Same weight as now. But it, uh, no, I was I was a slim little thing. I was fast. But I I grew like basically a foot between grade nine and ten. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I I think my height. I mean I, I'm not tall at all. I'm five nine. But uh, so I think I grew kind of gradually, and and there wasn't any big spurt. I don't remember. I mean I know I was always incredibly skinny. Up into my 20s. And it's funny because I started packing on weight as I aged. And a lot of people said, oh, you look so much better with a few more pounds on you. You don't look mm. so sickly. <laughs> and uh, I said, thank you very much, Maria. Um, and, and especially my in-laws all being Italian, you know, eat, 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 pack on the weight. And so it did. And I kept packing it on and I kept packing it on. And then finally Maria's like, no, you want to slow up with packing it on. That's right. Now I'm walking around with a bowling ball in front of me and these skinny arms and legs. There was a time when you could eat anything. Yeah. And oh. it didn't show. I remember in high school and certainly when I first started working, I could go and kill like a burger and fries, the burger fully loaded, a large fries, just drowning in gravy at three o'clock in the morning. Eat it, pound it back, wake up at 8 a.m. feeling right as rain. Right. If I did that now, I'd end up in the hospital <laughs> or the very I'd be in the bathroom moaning all night. You know, times have changed because I've got a physical coming up. Yeah. And I got to go do the blood work. Yes. And I so I woke up this morning. I was like, ah, I'm kind of tired, but I haven't had anything to eat. So maybe I'll just drink water and do the blood work. Mm. But I was like, I had tacos last night. That's gonna be. I don't want to take the tip the sodium off. Well, yeah. Here's something we could do together because I also need to go do blood work. Oh wow. We can hold hands and go do blood work together. A couple of pricks. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't know if uh, many people realized it was the first day of school yesterday because I didn't see anything on social media. No, no photos of your Holy precious children. Cow. No. In fact, I just saw this, like like RCMP coming out with a warning to people. Like, listen, don't post everything mm. about your kids. You're putting their names, teachers' names, their like uh, ages, so what schools are going right. to. You're putting out all of the information that scammers and uh, the nefarious people want to see. Yeah. Yeah. No, and even when true. you don't think that it's not going to get somewhere, you never know. 
How was uh, Evan's first bus ride up to Stainer for oh his uh, new year in school? Uh, he might be getting on the bus now to get to school for 10 o'clock the way <laughs> it was going. It is ridiculous. You know, like, we were pretty upset to find. We, we kind of like getting updates from him like, hey, how's the bus ride? Because this is a new school going to high school and, and, uh, and with it uh, in Durham's uh, wonderful system that they've come up with. Uh, he has to take an hour and a half long bus ride to get there. 45 minutes in, he was five minutes from home. <laughs> I wouldn't have been upset. I would have been laughing at him. <laughs> he could have pushed the bus yeah. faster. <laughs> now, here's something I learned recently about school buses. Uh, and I didn't know this. I think I saw this on social media. So whether it's a lie or not, I do not know. But you know on school buses, they got the two black stripes down the side? Yeah. One is for the top of the seats, and the other one is f- so, uh, where the floor is. So first responders, if a bus was in a horrible accident and they needed to cut into it or anything, right. they would know where the kids are sitting. Well, that's a great conversation for day two of the well, I'm just telling you. They don't have, they don't have seat buttons. Like, oh, you worry warts. You insane parents. Here's something. Good. The parents just put their kid on the bus first day, day yeah. one yesterday. It's Let's good. talk about it's good to know. No, they got these security things in place. Is Adrian listening? I think she followed the school bus yesterday. No, no. She's going to take up school bus driving. (laughs) It might get there faster. (laughs) Now, what what had you so concerned? Why were you upset that it was taking so long? Well, just because it does seem pretty extreme for what should be a 20-minute distance. Mm. To turn into an hour and a half, so just kind of we're interested in how this is all hooked oh, around, right? I would what, relish in it if I were you, right? It's not you who has to ride the bus. <laughs> He's young; he can take it, and he doesn't get home till later. This is a win-win for right. you. Yeah, well, we'll see. We got the hockey right after it tonight. Get off the app and on a pint and settle <laughs> down. Well, here's something Stephen King and I have in common: we both love Lou Bega. <laughs> What? Yes. <laughs> the Mambo number five? Yes. yes. That's How the, the only song this? he ever had. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, you know, we all know Stephen King is a true master of horror, of course. He's created some of the most iconic pop culture villains of all time. But the most terrifying villain in his life isn't when he created it. It was Lou Bega because King was once so obsessed with the song Mambo number five, it almost destroyed his marriage. <laughs> He says, I had the dance mix. I love those extended plays, and I play both sides of it, and one of them was just total instrumental. And he says, when I write, I love to listen to instrumental music. So I kept playing it over and over and over again, and finally his wife said, one more time, and I'm going to effing leave you. <laughs> back in 2011 when he was writing his book, 112263. Right. Uh, he says, you know, I just can't write and listen to music with lyrics. Who can sit and listen to the Leonard Cohen and focus on what you're writing when you're listening to his lyrics? So instrumental music is the way he likes to go. Okay. The instrumental version of Mumbo Number 5 on extended play. I must find that. Oh, yeah, that would be something. Yeah. Although she really could have just gone to the other wing of the house sure. that the other books <laughs> had provided. She could rent him office space <laughs> ship him out. I was uh, I was big into Stephen King books, probably in high school, through college. I got to a point where I literally couldn't read through one 
before the next one came out. Like, he just pumped them out so fast. I was like that with John Grisham books mm. for a while. Yeah, and I, you know, I thought to myself, there's, it's not possible that one man can write all this mm-hmm. on his own. He has to have ghost writers or somebody helping him. He claims that he's always written all of his own stuff. He just gets up every morning, sits at the computer, and starts banging it out. And right. Treats it like a full-time job. How's your novel coming? Oh, great. My <laughs> screenplay. I think it's on an old laptop that I've uh, lost or won't load anymore. The Romeo Club. Is that what it was? Retired older men eating out. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. And it was about all these, uh, like, six or eight senior guys who would get together once a week and have lunch. And uh, just their trials and tribulations. And it started off pretty good. Mm. It's kind of like a breakfast club scenario for the senior circuit. Gotcha. And How I, old were you when you started writing that? Oh, I was in Windsor, so I was probably in my 40s. Okay. Yeah. I thought it would have been a great screenplay, an easy film, easy to make in that it's all focused in one room in this restaurant, uh, much like 12 Angry Men, if you remember that movie. Right, yeah. And uh, and The Breakfast Club, all being filmed in the library, so fairly cheap to make, and uh, not the type of films that certainly make uh, make the big theaters anymore. It's all just action-filled and Marvel and DC, but... Um, you know, sometimes those kind of like a little indie project I thought it would be. And I knew a guy in Windsor who's gone on to some pretty good success as a director. So I talked to him about it a few times. Oh, I even downloaded a How to Write a Screenplay. Wow. Oh, I was uh, I was on my way. And really? I was <clears throat> I was probably 40 pages in. Really? Yeah, and I think uh, a full hour and a half movie is uh, is about 120 pages to 130 pages of okay. script. So, yeah, but I don't know. I got sidetracked <laughs> with the Michigan hiders. Right. Life life got in the way. Yeah. Well, again, I don't know what life. <laughs> I had all the time. In the world. Well, I was raising young kids. I guess we were busy with things at that point. Or I, pro- I probably got stuck. Right. I probably didn't know, what, you know where the story was going next. But I had weaved in like... They all had worked together, and because I was in Windsor, I guess I was thinking about, like, the, the, the auto industry down mm-hmm. there. And and so they all knew one another. They had all known each other forever. They had all been from this same town. And uh, there had been some, you know, affairs amongst couples and this and that. And one guy had everything, and another guy didn't. Oh, yeah, it was pretty deep. Wow. Oh, I thought it was great. And I think I even uh, went back and read it again. Some years after I had uh, dropped the ball on it, and I was like, "This is still, I think, it's still decent, it's still decent." Yeah, it's kind of like when you sit up at night and think you're going to write a song or poetry, and you've had a couple of drinks or something, and yeah. you, you go back and go, "Wow, that was really crap." What would you think if, if, like, one day Tiff opened up and you found out that that director had gone and made the movie, I, <laughs> written the screenplay, and made it without you? I take that laptop <laughs> and I would find somebody who could fire it up, and I would sue him for everything. Now, I must admit, I did not come up with that title myself. The idea stemmed from a, a guy I knew. I bumped into him somewhere at a restaurant, I guess, or in the parking lot of a restaurant, middle of the day. And uh, I said, oh, what are you doing here? It was actually a, a pub. <laughs> middle of the day, a pub, me. Go yeah, figure. go figure. And he said, oh, yeah, once a week, my dad, he's retired, and him and all his buddies, they get together for uh, for lunch. He goes, I call him the Romeo Club. And I said, well, what the hell does that mean? Retired older men eating out. I said, that's brilliant. That's great. That's a movie. That's a movie. (laughs) 
<laughs> and you went home and wrote a third of it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lucky, I got to tell you something. This is exciting. My house has climbed in value to about $1.3 million. Right. Simply because of two new panels of fence I have down the side of my place. What? I had two new panels. Well, remember a couple of weeks back, I told you about I had a guy over who was pointing out all the things that were wrong with my house. Yeah. It was endless. Right, yes. And he was referring to a lot of things as liabilities, <laughs> which doesn't sound good. <laughs> so um, my fence on the one side, because I'm on a corner, it's had a horrible lean for a very long time. Uh-huh. And I don't know if uh, you know anything about the fencing game. But a post, a fence post, is yes. supposed to be in about four feet deep. Uh-huh. I think I was about four inches okay. <laughs> at this point. Well, being in four inches deep is something you've done for a very long time. <laughs> Bang the hell out of the sides. <laughs> so I, uh, he says to me, oh, Baba, he said, you really got to get this fixed because this whole fence is going to topple over. And, you know, school buses are there and kids and somebody's right. getting sued. Oh, so it's not, it's not on the Taj Mahal side. No, that, oh, didn't, no. that didn't fall into your fence? That's another liability, oh, okay. I am informed. <laughs> yeah. Jamie and Riley from uh, Precision Fence and Deck came over. Okay. And he told me everything is a liability in my house. <laughs> and then so last week I get I get home, I pull up in the driveway, and he's already got the two old panels down. Right. And he's whipped up two big, beautiful ones, the big posts, like instead of two-by-four posts, the whatever the hell they are now. I don't think you're using a two-by-four. What, a four-by-four? He's gone to six-by-six? Six-by-six uh, six is Something a little better? You see, well, you know, Sturdier? Some, you know some things about fencing. I know some about posts. Yeah. Right. So now, and, and I asked Jamie, I said, look, look how beautiful, because now from the curbside appeal, I said, I said to Jamie, I said, uh, this has got to be worth like 1.3 now. And he said, uh, I guarantee it. And if you don't get that, I'll give you the difference. Sure. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Precision deck and fence won't be in business too long if they're buying your poo hut for 1.3 million. So hang on. So, yeah. so they fixed the two panels. Yeah. But that's a longer fence than sure. two panels. So yes. do you have like a checkerboard of fence, well, like the new section and then the old section just remain? Yeah, well, because the old section's still standing. It right. was just really, we had put... So new, are you going to go in stain and, uh, and paint that? It's already that? done. It's all done. It's all, it's all came with a lovely, listen, precision fence and deck don't mess around. It's all done. I, I didn't have to do nothing. All right. I, I, I handed them beers. I'm more shocked... That they came over and the only thing they found to fix was two <laughs> panels of your fence. Well, the rest is beyond oh. repair. <laughs> What's the point? They said. No, they're they're coming. They're, coming they're not called Precision Miracle. No, <laughs> no. they are going to come back and try to to solve my Taj Mahal problem. Okay. Well. Yeah. So listen, if you're looking for what about the leaky basement? Can well, we, that's uh, not their. No? That's not their area of expertise. <laughs> I got a guy with a hoe. It's going to fix that for me. <laughs> I need insulation in the room. It's just a disaster. I'm not sure a pimp is exactly what you're looking for in that situation. <laughs> well, he said he could fix my holes. Okay. So, anyhow, yeah, if you're looking for a fencing company, those are the boys. Jamie Riley, Precision Fence and Deck. Look who joins us. It's the godfather of the grill, Teddy Reader. Good morning, Ted. Good morning, Craig. Good morning, Lucky. Teddy, how are you? I'm doing all right, doing all right. Kids are back in school, you know. Beautiful. Awesome. That's <laughs> beautiful. Uh, Teddy, I wanted to update you on a couple of things. Uh, last we spoke, I had made those uh, beef wellingtons. I made six of them. They turned out very good. I was happy with that. But then on a Monday, I decided for the first time I was going to try to smoke some meat 
over charcoal. So I, I got my uh, hardwood charcoal. I got my smoker box. I, I got the charcoal going, pushed it all to the back of the grill so that you could have indirect heat going. Uh, my mistake was, I think, well, I know for a fact, I should have allowed that charcoal because it had gone nice and white, and I should have allowed it to cool down for a bit before I threw the smoker box in because... When I put the lid down and it started smoking right away and it was great, I had soaked the chips for over an hour. But, the, of course, the charcoal was so hot, it was like at 400 degrees, and it took forever to drop. So I got uh, I got anxious and I thought, well, I'll just put the meat on. I'll sear it a bit over the coals. I'll bring the meat to the front. And I kept the lid down as much as I could, but the temperature kept rising, so I kept lifting the lid and losing smoke. And it was a bit of a poop show. I mean, it all turned out in the end. It was a little drier than I would have wished, but the crispiness of the meat uh, had a great smoke flavor to it. But here's here's the thing uh, that I just wanted to mention to you. Um, I, I What I did was I thought to myself, I'm going to just go out and buy a, not a cheap piece of – I bought a roast, a uh, sirloin tip – not a not a cheap one, but not an expensive one either. Just at your general grocery store, I bought this thing. Didn't have a ton of marbling, but the way it turned out was great because I guess the smoke and the slow cooking can even soften a tougher, not-so-expensive piece of meat, correct? That is correct. Okay. That is correct. So you can go out that- to, like, your general, like a, a no-frills or whatever, and you don't have to spend a fortune. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Uh, you know, a pot roast is a, a cheaper cut of meat. Mm. And when it's cooked properly, it just falls to pieces. Uh, brisket is an inexpensive cut of meat traditionally. Okay. Now it's a little bit more expensive uh, because it's become so popular. But brisket is a tougher cut. And a tougher cut, you're not going to be cooking it to something like a medium rare. You've got to cook it to an internal temperature of about 200, 205 degrees in that range. Mm. Let it rest, and it'll be moist and juicy, and it'll melt in your mouth, and it'll be absolutely fantastic. Yesterday, we were uh, we were catering a function for a company up in in uh, in Port Perry, and we did brisket for them. And it just was like butter, baby. Wow. It was moist. It was juicy. And it just, you know, you put it in your mouth. You didn't need teeth. You just <laughs> pressed it together. And it just, oh, oh, I tell you, it was like a wet dream of goodness there. Well, that's good because uh, I'm in poor Perry, Teddy. Most people don't have teeth. <laughs> We kid the Port Perry people. It's right. a lovely little town. Very it, nice. It, it is, I tell you. We had we had a blast up there catering up a, a storm. But, uh, Craig, just one thing on your smoking. Yeah. Um, when you're smoking, you don't need a lot of charcoal. Okay. And you don't want to wait for your coals to go all the way to being white because now they're too hot. Yes. And so you really start that process while the coals are in the, the, the heating up stage. And so once you get uh, a, a few coals going, that's when you can add in your wood chips. You don't even need your smoker box. You can soak the chips and just add them to that small oh. amount of coal. So I you want to keep that temperature low, right. low and slow. So you're always trying to keep your temperature, let's say, around that two, between 200, 235 mm. uh, with a cut of meat. Your sir, you bought a sirloin tip, I think you yeah, said? Yeah, three-pound uh, sirloin tip. 
you probably could have gotten away with with putting a light smoke on that and cooking it to um, medium rare, mm. letting it rest, and then slicing it paper thin, and you would have a great uh, great piece of meat to put on a sandwich. Yeah, the great thing about cooking is you know you make some mistakes when you're first learning, and then uh, you get better at it when you've solved your problem. So out of my charcoal chimney. I filled that whole thing up. I should maybe only do about half of that, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You come on up to the joint. I'll give you a little overview okay. and a little lesson there and kind of help point you in the right direction because sometimes that's all it takes mm. is uh, just to get onto the right track. But you know what? The fact that you did it, the fact that you realized that you made some mistakes with it, um, you can only grow from making mistakes, and better barbecue comes from bad barbecue. So that's what's got to happen is, is practice is going to make perfect. And, you know, the fact you went out and did her, man, that's yeah. awesome. Well, thank you, Teddy. I can't believe I was just nice to you. I know. I know. It's a new school year. It's a new new approach, Ted Reader. <laughs> and if I come up to the joint, we'll probably have a couple of pints. So that makes the day perfect. Perfect. <laughs> That's it. And then I'll chuck you in the pond. <laughs> and there we go once again. The niceness is over. All right, Teddy. If people want to talk grilling or smoking or how uh, the kids are doing, maybe they want to talk to you about their kids' education. Teddy knows it all back in school now yeah. as we are. Uh, how do they get a hold of you, pal? Ah, you're going to find me in the social media, media world at Ted Grills. Rock Mornings with, with Craig Venn and Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.